Annie Smith Peck. She was a, a mountaineer. She was the first woman to climb the Matterhorn in pants that she designed herself because uh, women up to then had done it in, in you know, ankle length uh, petticoats. <laughs> Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Making your mark big or small is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age well. And Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. And our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who was a previous guest on Zestful Aging. Find out more about her on judybanker.com. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses and other offerings, hop on over to zestfulaging.com. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, I've got my little loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side as always. So let's begin. We have a great interview for you today. We're going to be speaking with Charlotte Mangin, who is an award-winning documentary filmmaker and the creator, executive producer, and director of Unladylike 2020. She spent five years on the production staff of National Geographic Television and Film, reporting from the jungles of the Amazon to the Himalayan mountains, and five years as a story producer for PBS's award-winning international affairs series, Wide Angle. Her hour-long program, Class of 2006, about women's rights in Morocco, won an international documentary award, and in 2012 and 2013, she was nominated for four Emmy Awards for producing a four-part archival documentary series for 13 WNET in celebration of the flagship public television station's 50th anniversary. Welcome to the show, Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. There's so much good stuff here. I'm just reading. I'm like, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about this and this and this and this. I've had a really fun life. Yes. There's so much great stuff. It's I and I've said this before, but I literally feel so fortunate to be able to talk to people like you are doing such important and creative work. So I'm thrilled to have you. Let's start with unladylike because just that that uh, title itself is just so compelling. How did Unladylike 2020 come about for you? Sure. So several years ago, I brought my two little boys to the Intrepid Museum, which is an aircraft carrier um, uh-huh. in New York City Harbor. I, That's, you know um, it. <laughs> well, I brought my little boy there too. So, it was yes. their favorite place in the city for, for many years. 
Um, so it's been turned into an air and space museum. And uh, we happened to go on a day that a children's book author was doing a book signing um, about a story called Soar Eleanor, based on the true life of Eleanor Smith, who in the 1920s was the youngest licensed pilot in the world. She, she got her license at age 16. And the man at her airfield on Long Island didn't believe that a girl could fly. And so they dared her to fly under a bridge. You may know this was the time when barnstorming, all these crazy aerial stunts was all the rage. It, it was, uh, you know, there was no commercial airlines yet. And um, it was post-World War II. Uh, I'm sorry. And it was post-World War I. And uh, really the only way to make a living as a pilot was, was to do stunts. So she flew under all four bridges of the East River to really prove herself oh. to them and went on to become this extraordinary test pilot, broke a number of endurance records. Late in her career, actually worked with NASA on flight simulators. Mm -hmm. And I was just blown away mm -hmm. by this story. <laughs> so moved and inspired and also really frustrated. Why have I never heard of Eleanor Smith? There's only Amelia Earhart, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I'd been taught growing up. So I started to look into her and that led me to other women in aviation and women in other professional fields. And it just grew and grew. It became this nights and weekends obsession mm -hmm. uh, of mine uncovering this treasure trove of stories. And then I realized that uh, in 2020, the centennial of women's suffrage was coming up. Um, women in America got the right to vote in August of 1920, and I thought, perfect timing. People will be interested in this anniversary and taking stock of how far we've come, what remains to be done to reach gender equity, and, and so the, the project was born. And initially, I, I must have researched over 250 different women, I think, from, from this turn of the 20th century, which is a really fascinating period in U.S. history because um, thanks to industrialization, urbanization, and, um, and all this civic engagement that's happening around suffrage and anti-lynching campaigns and, and so on, women are really breaking into professional fields en masse for the first time. And um, the number of women in the U.S. workforce almost doubles in in this 30 to 40 year period. Mm -hmm. it, it remains only, you know, about a, a quarter of the workforce. So it shows you there's still a big taboo against women working. Um, you know, like when you think 100 years ago, women were just getting the right to vote, to, the right to get a divorce, the right to have custody of their children. Mm -hmm. uh, in some places in America could still be arrested for wearing pants in public. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, so we've come a long way, but, but I, um, I really wanted to make this history feel alive and present and archive was quite limited because I intentionally, uh, chose women who, who had not necessarily made it into the history books, you know, little known or unsung heroines. And so early on, I decided to work with an artist who created this gorgeous animation uh, mm -hmm. to, to fill in the visual gaps and also make the black and white photography look really alive and, 
and animated. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that um, because it's it's quite different than say a Ken Burns um, approach. You see these colors, and it mm -hmm. almost has sort of a psychedelic feel to it. Yes, a lot of swirling, very swirling very colorful. Color. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we really wanted to make this have gen intergenerational appeal um, and especially reach youth who are in need mm -hmm. of role models. And, um, and it's, it's actually um, being used in classrooms. We worked with PBS Learning Media, which is uh, public media's educational platform. Mm -hmm. It reaches 1.6 million educators around the country, and mm -hmm. we've created lesson plans for middle and high school uh, social studies and history classrooms. And I'm so excited to, to know that a new generation of kids will actually grow up learning about, <laughs> about these women. Um, but yeah, the artist um, was someone who, uh, she's a longtime friend and had never worked on a media project before. She really comes from the fine art world of museums and galleries, mm -hmm. but but I love her style, and uh, she really brought this very signature look. And and in addition to the artwork, we we chose to edit the films in a very dynamic, syncopated way. You know, we're not doing the very long pan or mm -hmm. zoom into a picture the way Ken Burns, mm -hmm. since, since you mentioned him, does. Um, just trying to keep the story moving and mm -hmm. keep you engaged. Um, and, and we chose early on to make them shorts. You know, it was, it was really conceived as a digital first project um, to make it really accessible and and give you these little short stories, little bursts of inspiration. Um, initially, we wanted the films to be five to seven minutes, but they all ended up being nine to 12 because it proved impossible to tell <laughs> these really rich and compelling stories in, in so little time. So um, they, they really lent themselves more to, to a 10-minute <laughs> short story. Mm -hmm. And the 10 minutes goes very fast, I will say, um, having uh, had the chance to watch some of them. Um, so, you know, there's a bit of a problem here, which is you're looking for, or you, when you were doing this project, unsung heroines. And if they're unsung, they may be hard, for a filmmaker to learn about. Mm -hmm. How does one go about finding these women who have not been celebrated or particularly written about? Mm -hmm. So I, I lived for weeks in the New York Public Library, <laughs> <laughs> flipping through uh, now out of print encyclopedias and um, biographies. But you're right, some of these women, no biographies have been written about them. Um, they are all now on Wikipedia, which is really exciting to me. And, uh, you know, some, some information, if you really dig deep, is, is available online. And we, we early on put together an academic advisory board of uh, eight historians of this turn of the 20th century period, who have different expertise that really reflect the diversity of the women that we ended up choosing. So we have a scholar of African-American history, Jewish American history, Asian American history, Native American, uh, uh, Latina um, studies, 
and, and uh, LGBTQ, we really wanted to uh, portray America in all its diversity. And, and so they really helped me narrow down this long list of, you know, I had this massive matrix uh, spreadsheet that I shared with them where I was tracking all of the women, their professions, their dates, mm -hmm. uh, their geography, uh, their accomplishments, um, and also looking at how much archive and biographical detail was was known about their lives. And, and from there, they helped me narrow it down to, I think, a short list of 50 women. And, mm -hmm. and in the end, our distribution partner, American Masters, uh, the biography series on PBS, chose um, to do 26 of them for the 26 weeks between the start of March, Women's History Month, and August 26th, which this year, 2020, was um, the actual 100th anniversary of suffrage, the, the date that the 19th Amendment was written into the Constitution. And uh, so, so they were releasing them one a week. Uh, so we were on this crazy tight schedule and, you know, having to deliver a film a week. It was, uh, it was really exhausting, but so, so inspiring. I just, I loved every minute of it. And I was living and breathing these women's lives. And, uh, oh, there's so much here because I have this image of you, and I don't know if this is really how it happened, but of you being in the New York Public Library sort of unearthing this and and on a treasure hunt to find these mm -hmm. women who had been forgotten. That's exactly right, yes. And, and then in, <clears throat> in the course of my research, the New York Times launched their Overlooked series where they're publishing obituaries about... Um, women and people of color who didn't get them when they died and, and should have. And, and the New York Times has actually since published obituaries about, I think, four of, of the women that I featured. So it's very exciting to see that they're really finally getting their moment. Mm -hmm. Oh, it sounds like there's so much going on, perhaps the frustration that they haven't been celebrated earlier, but then, you know, I, it's just the thrill and excitement of bringing them back, bringing mm -hmm. them to life so people can know them, even though it's after their death. Mm -hmm. Did you have families um, uh, reaching out to you and saying, thank you for uh, bringing my whoever it is, auntie, mom, sister uh, at, to life? At, at this point, it's actually often the, the grand children, great-grandchildren, or even great-great-grandchildren, <laughs> because mm -hmm. the, these women, you know, lived over 100 years ago. But, um, well, we, we went out of our way to try to track down descendants whenever possible. Um, so so I, I got to interview several family members of, of some of these women. Um, and then others we reached out to for archival, uh, because, you know, they've kept some imagery in their own private family collections mm -hmm. um, but no one has come forward that that I didn't already outreach to yet, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, yet. But, but that will be exciting if so uh, and and then you know obviously we, we interviewed the biographers or historians who who intimately knew the stories of these women and they've been so excited to have their scholarship presented, uh, you know, to, to the mainstream 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it just, it sounds, and also I can hear in your voice sort of the, the joy of it and the <laughs> satisfaction and, and seeing this come to life. And I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm sure you've been asked before, and I know it's like saying, which of your children do you like better? But can you, t- can you talk about a couple of uh, your favorites, uh, a couple of the women, perhaps their stories that have most resonated with you? Sure. And there's, you're right, there's so many. And, and every time we would finish a film, we would say, Oh, this is my new favorite. Mm. No, this one. <laughs> you know, so I really I, I love them all deeply. But um, a few that really resonate for me personally, uh, Lois Weber, who was a filmmaker. <laughs> uh, she started off as, as a musician and actress and, uh, and acting in early silent films. She went on to direct and write and edit uh, a film a week, actually, at one point in her career, um, these these shorts. So <laughs> there's a lot of parallels there. And she was actually the first woman member of the Directors Guild, uh, the first woman to direct a feature-length film. Mm, wow. uh, she opened her own film studio in the early years of Hollywood in the 19-teens and was really a luminary of, of the silent film era. And then as uh, Hollywood started to become more commercial um, and these big conglomerate studios opened up, she, she sort of got pushed out of the industry along with, with many other women. At, 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 when she was active, actually more than half of the screenwriters in Hollywood were women. The historian that we interviewed talks about it as the masculinization of Hollywood, mm-hmm. which happens in the 1920s, and and women get pushed pushed out of the industry. Um, so she's she's just fascinating, and of course, had had the same love of this visual medium that that I do. I also admire deeply uh, Charlotta Spears Bass, who was an African American newspaper editor. Uh, a civil rights crusader, and was actually the first black woman to run for vice president of the United States. Um, So almost 70 years before Kamala Harris, (laughs) Uh, there was Charlotta Bass um, running in 1952 on the Progressive Party ticket. So she's really extraordinary, and she was facing death threats. uh, I can imagine. And the Klan showing up outside the 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 office of her paper her newspaper she so she was so courageous Hello, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a product I've been using lately for aches and pains that's really helped me, and I've been singing it from the rooftops. Some of you may already have discovered the benefits of using CBD. I have found it to be a game changer for my creaky joints. I'm a tennis player, and I have three dogs, and being active is really important to me, and we know how important it is in aging well. But at age 59, my joints can be a bit stiff, uh, especially in my knees. And this stuff has really helped. So I don't have to wear a knee brace anymore, which really wasn't such a good look. I've done my research and it's very important to get the highest quality ingredients. There's a lot of junk on the market. So you have to make sure the product is tested by a third party lab at the very least. My favorite company 
is called Pros, P-R-O-Z-E, and they have several products that are formulated for specific problems, including sleep and mental focus. Uh, lately, I've been using the performance gum called Yippies and the Nods, which helps me sleep and tastes very cinnamony. If you go to their website, pros.com, and enter the coupon code ZESTFUL, you're going to get 15% off. I highly recommend trying it out. I think you're really going to be surprised how effective it is, and I would love some feedback from you on how it works. Again, the website pros, P-R-O-Z-E dot com. Coupon code is zestful. Thank you. Now back to the show. Oh, also Margaret Chung, who was mm. the first American born Chinese woman doctor who is presumed now by biographers to perhaps have been a lesbian mm -hmm. because um, some letters have been found, some, some correspondence has been found between her and, uh, and two known lesbians uh, that, that might have indicated a, you know, some intimate relations. But it's, it's very hard for historians to know that 100 plus years later because people would not necessarily have identified as lesbian and homosexuality was... A crime, so they would have certainly mm -hmm. hidden it. I see. Um, but she, uh, she never married, and she was so independent. And uh, early on in her medical career, in in med school, actually started dressing like a man, and going by the name Mike. And because of her race and gender, found it very difficult to find a residency but eventually did uh, train under a doctor who um, trained a lot of women as surgeons, actually. And Margaret Chung went on to open her own practice and start the first hospital in San Francisco's Chinatown, where she served as, as the, the main surgeon uh, and, the, uh, and ran the OBGYN and pediatric unit. Mm -hmm. And um, just seems to have had so much flair. <laughs> and, and the courage is just unbelievable. Yes, that's the theme that runs through all of these stories. And, and that's, that's what I mean by unladylike. You know, they, they, they were bucking the, the social norms of what being a lady uh, was expected at, at the time. You know, you were supposed to be home taking care of your husband and your children's needs. In mm -hmm. some states, there were actually laws on the books preventing a married woman from working and all of these women just had so much boldness mm -hmm. and, and and refused to take no for an answer and you have already uh, exhibited your own boldness before this came out <laughs> by doing your stories, reporting from the Amazon to the Himalayas. And it's not like you've stayed home behind your, your laptop. Um, and I'm wondering if your project, this particular project, has it, has it changed you at all? Or have you always been this kind of woman? What a wonderful question. I actually grew up very shy and uh, insecure. <laughs> and I feel like it's taken this lifetime, of, I'm now in my mid-40s, to 
to become the unladylike woman that I am, mm-hmm. um, I, I think I, I must have more boldness than I give myself credit for because I did, you know, hike, hike the Himalaya and, and the Amazon <laughs> in, mm. my, in my mid, mid-20s on, on film shoots for National Geographic. I've, I've crossed the Atlantic Ocean on a sailboat. Uh, so I've done some very... That's another uh, episode, risk, Charlotte. I know. <laughs> we're going to call that risk taking by Charlotte. And we're just going to, because now I, I have, you know, that's just, that's too good. Too Thank good. You. So you, you've known intellectually that you're doing things that perhaps your peers haven't attempted, but you haven't really embraced that identity until recently. Like, hey, I'm, I'm a risk taker. Yes, Yes, exactly. And and even when I started this project, you know, I, I founded my own production company, Unladylike Productions, and I and and early on I kept sort of apologizing for it, like, oh, you know, but but I'm not an entrepreneur. Uh, my my brother, when I was growing up, used to call me Miss Sorry, because I would I would walk oh. into a room and immediately apologize for something. I you know, I'm, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm sorry I mm. I didn't do this or I didn't mm. do that or I look like this or I look like that. So I, so yes, a lot of insecurity growing up, and and it took years of therapy and kind of stripping <laughs> away. Uh, all of these stories that that were in my own head about about my own imperfections <laughs> but mm-hmm. to realize like wait a minute i i matter and i belong what am i, be- and what I, am I believing here yes there's no, no need to apologize for anything and i'm i'm you know i'm doing good work uh, in the world and i'm kind and i'm yeah, <laughs> we but, always... but, but I feel like it's, you know, it's probably going to be a, a lifetime journey for me to, mm-hmm. to like truly embody this unladylike spirit. But, but these women have definitely given me a lot they're of hope. Your men- they're your mentors. They are, yeah. I, I feel their wind at my back kind of pushing me oh. to, to do more, you know. Like if, if Annie Smith Peck, she, she climbed not the Himalaya, but uh, she, she was a, a mountaineer. Uh, she, she was the first woman to climb the Matterhorn in pants that she uh, that she designed herself because uh, women up to then had done it in, in you know, ankle length uh, petticoats. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and she went on to be the first person to climb the highest peak in Peru, one of the highest peaks in, um, in the Western Hemisphere. And so I, you know, I think like, wow, if, if she and those women who were doing it in petticoats could climb the mountains, they, they did, I... I, I should be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm just thinking about how things have changed. It's, it's, it's so, um, it's exciting. And it's, there's more, of course, to do. Um, there's, there's a tough side, right, to making documentaries. It's not all inspiring and exciting and collaborative and having your shows, um, you know, nominated for so many Emmys and getting an international documentary award. There's a lot of grunt work. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Definitely. Well, first, you have to get the project sold, <laughs> which in the case of Unladylike, for instance, took many years. Uh, most 
TV channels weren't thinking that far ahead. You know, I was meeting with them, say, in 2016, and they were saying, 2020, mm -hmm. like, you know, get back to us in 2019. We, <laughs> we can't think that far ahead. And, and so I ended up fundraising, for the first time, fundraising for the project on my own. Uh, you know, I had up until then in my career always been within a big organization that essentially handed me a budget and said, here, make this, or, or I would pitch them an idea, but, you know, they had the budget available. So I, I had to first find the money to do it, and it was a $2 million budget. So you can imagine the number of grants that I had to write mm -hmm. and get rejections and rejections, but, you know, ultimately enough yeses and from the highest levels, we we ended up getting grants from the National Endowment for the Humanities, National Endowment for the Arts, mm -hmm. the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, and so on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, incredible prestige, but it took mm -hmm. many, many years to pull that off. Um, and then the actual filmmaking itself, you know, I had to put together a team, women-led. Uh, we, we had three, three men and I think 22 women on the team which was so much fun, but, you know, managing that, that many people, uh, some of whom didn't necessarily have the level of experience that I thought they had when I hired them. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> uh, much so, administrative. So needing, needing to mentor them. Yes, a lot of administration. And when you're dealing with this, with this volume of work, you know, this was so ambitious to make 26 films, uh, which... Granted, it's a series and there's certain visual choices and, edit, and uh, there's certain editorial choices that get made early on that can apply to all 26 films, but, but it still is 26 individual stories that have so many layers of, you know, you need to find the archive, you need to find the, the interviewees, you have to actually interview them mm -hmm. <laughs> safely. Uh, thankfully, we, um, we finished most of them prior to COVID, but, but then we had to figure out how to edit remotely during COVID, which was a whole other layer of complications. Um, uh, a couple members of the team actually got sick with COVID in the spring. Oh my goodness! Others lost loved ones to it. So, so there were there were so many you know human dramas happening mm -hmm. behind the scenes. And you have and two little ones of your I own. I do. Yes, I do. How did that? How does that work? <laughs> it actually it ended up being very helpful that I was stuck at home because I was able to both care for them and work nonstop, <laughs> sort of at the same time. But I, I did not get much sleep this past year. Um, I'm finally catching up now. But, you know, filmmaking is about problem solving constantly. Like you should just assume that things are going to go wrong because it's so complex and there's, and there's so much technology involved and human error involved and and needing to triangulate so many different schedules and locations and mm -hmm. and this and that and you know and the lay on top of it the financial limitations you're working within um, you're just constantly problem solving and and it's and it's very complicated but really interesting to you know as a process and um, and I I love 
how it allows me to become a mini expert in a subject matter for a period of time and then move on to whatever my next curiosity is and, and also get to vicariously live other people's lives. I'm, I'm always amazed at how welcoming people are to allow us into their lives with cameras and share their story and mm-hmm. and uh, and trust us with 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 being truthful and um, and entrust us with being true to to their um, to their life story. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for women who are in mid middle age who are I don't know shy, but who wanted who know that they have so much life ahead of them, but starting to realize that there's quite a bit of life behind them, um, and wanting to do something uh, that feels important, that feels significant, that leaves some kind of legacy, but they're afraid because they don't know how to start. How how? would you guide them or what what advice might you give them who are sort of it sounds like developmentally you know kind of parallel to where you've been mm-hmm. well of course it all starts in the home so if if these women are mothers or aunts or uh, you know, have, 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 or teachers or have, you know, have some way to start mentoring the next generation. I think that is a huge step sharing your wisdom and values with, with youth. It's an election year. So I, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard for me not to think like g- go out and vote, of course, but mm-hmm. also, I don't know, volunteer to be, um, well, it, it's hard during COVID to, to be an election worker or, or be door knocking, mm-hmm. but, but you know, there, there's so many ways to get engaged politically. Join um, a, a community center or uh, take a pottery class or a dance mm-hmm. class or, you know, like find, find a community that uh, of like-minded people. I, I recently, having completely... Uh, stopped exercising <laughs> during mm-hmm. during the making of Unladylike because, as you mentioned, I, I you know between raising my children and trying to make these twenty six films, I there was no time for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I recently started exercising again with these Peloton workout videos, mm-hmm. and it's been great, and it feels so good to take care of myself. So, so I would say, yeah, take take care of yourself first. Give back to the next generation and and get engaged in in the artistic, cultural, or political pursuits that you feel passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's great advice and actually scientifically backed. Right, how to age well is being engaged and involved um, and curious. Mm-hmm. Charlotte, how can people find out more about your your beautiful work? Uh, so all of the films can be streamed on our website, which is unladylike2020.com, mm-hmm. uh, as well as on the PBS website at pbs.org slash unladylike2020. Mm-hmm. And in addition to the films, we've created um, 
biographies, timelines, and a list of additional resources, a sort of bibliography about each of the women, so you get a chance to learn more. Um, there's these lesson plans for, that are tailor-made for, uh, you know, remote learning. <laughs> good, good, good. And, uh, and we're also on social media at Unladylike2020 or hashtag Unladylike2020PBS. Okay. All right. That is lovely. What what an inspiration and thank you so much. Oh, so I there's so much more to say, but we'll have yes, to leave I'm sure that. We could keep talking for hours. <laughs> I, think, I think so. I think so. But but I know your your boys are keeping themselves busy, and um, we'll we'll end it there. Thank you so much for being on the show, Charlotte. Thank you Manjan. for having me. It was it was a real treat. Thanks, and um, I can't wait to see what you come up with next. Thanks. I'm, I'm hopeful there might be a season two mm-hmm. on Lady Like 2022, let's say, but, um, mm-hmm. but it will all depend on, on fundraising once again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not totally sure what I'll be doing next. but We know it's going to be. Sure to be exciting. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about a powerful new tool that supports your mental and emotional health in what are extremely trying times. And you may remember that I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years, and I'm always a little suspicious of products that claim to help us feel less anxious, depressed, or worried. But then I was introduced to a new kind of app called Cope Notes, and I have become a big fan. Cope Notes was developed by a guy who spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what might help support him through his own weekly psychotherapy sessions. Cope Notes is an app that gives you random texts through the day to break through some of the negative messages that might be repeating in your head. It's well-researched and has been adopted by many mental health facilities. I highly recommend it. I think we can all use a little support right now. So check out Cope Notes dot com forward slash zestful. I will receive a small portion of those proceeds. Um, and I'd love to hear your feedback about how it works for you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. 
And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Uh, we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, uh, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest. <music>